Nehemiah 8.10 Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord. Wow, much more than being happy. One fellow asked recently, Does the Lord actually experience joy? Ha <laughs> ha are you kidding? It was his idea. I think a better question is, do you experience joy? I wonder how many of us can even relate to the idea of joy. These days we say, I'm happy, or I'm glad. But no one hardly ever says, I am joyful. And if they do, most of us look at them thinking, hmm, what an odd thing to say. Nevertheless, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, it is one of the Lord's details, one of His attributes, an aspect of His character, and one of the three fountains of God's heart. The last nine words of the opening scripture from Jeremiah is popular and easy to say, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. We've all heard it a lot. But I must say I've thought of the joy of the Lord is your strength as something God gives, which is true, of course. But in the last several years, I've realized it is more than that. It is something He not only gives, but something He possesses and also experiences. He gives us joy because He is joyful and is the source of joy, and He is perfectly joyful, infinitely joyful. He is the one who owns all of the joy. And don't get me wrong, there are people that are joyful, but none of them are perfectly joyful because only God has all the joy. It's not only a description of what He gives, but who He is. I'm Social Porter and this is Outposts, a semi-live broadcast from the late evening cascading banks of the Ocklawaha River. I'm at a rural cafe where the skies are blue and a comfortable breeze carries the never-ending fragrance of blooming flowers. This evening's topic is the fruit of the Spirit, joy. I hope the following program will be a reflection of God's joy and a source of true joy for each of us. Joy, joy is associated with gladness, which can be a wonderful habit-forming inclination of the heart. It's just downright contagious. How many of us see the Lord as a grouchy, unspoken, judgmental person who seems to thrill at taunting us with silence and faintness? Come on now, be honest. You know who you are that think that stuff. I know I sure have. I think it's a great question. How many of us see him as a demanding taskmaster rather than a jubilant master whose joy we can step into joy. The service He requires of us even now is to be accomplished joyfully rather than sullenly. I mean, we know the Lord is always going to square things up. So what's the point in being all foot-dragging and begrudging 
walking around long-faced and bitter acting. If you don't have to, well, then don't. Let yourself relax, put your ears on, engage your heart, and enjoy the program. My son was young, he asked me, Dad, are you having fun? Now you gotta understand, it's not like I'd ever pondered such a question. So when the Lord started giving me answers, it was like someone opened full a fire hydrant. At the prompting of his question, immediately into my mind flooded images of all things I liked to do. And like lightning, I found myself measuring how I felt in those times, questioning whether or not I was having fun or not. After a few seconds, I had come to the realization there was a difference between fun and joy. I thought about mowing the lawn and how much I really dislike mowing the lawn, but also how much I so enjoy sitting on the porch in the evening, watching the sun go down and smelling the fresh-cut grass. I thought about a myriad of things that I did not consider fun, but how much I enjoyed their benefits. For example, I do not find digging a ditch fun, but I do enjoy the work of my hands. In the moment, I had an epiphany about myself. I don't necessarily have fun, per se, but I do enjoy most everything I do. It seems to me, fun rises and falls like a roller coaster. In fact, I would say that having fun has become such a national preoccupation, it supersedes the pursuit of happiness. Many people think that if they aren't having as much fun today as they had yesterday, then they aren't having fun. Today's fun is often based on the measure of yesterday's fun. The idea of fun seems orgasmic. It is here and gone again until next time. Fun is amusing and entertaining and is a very subjective term. My fun is not necessarily your fun and my fun today may not be my fun tomorrow. Now, joy isn't like that. It is not the same as fun. From God's perspective, it doesn't have rises and falls like a sine wave, but it always is on the slow, steady rise, and it persists. 
Webster's Dictionary defines joy as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness, as in tears of joy or great delight. Once again, I find God's idea of joy is much, much larger than that. Worldly definitions seem to reflect a world-limited view. As a result, God's eternity isn't part of anything this fallen world defines. The world has a knack for leaving God out of the picture. To have joy means to have jubilation, bliss, and most importantly, rejoicing. From the Lord's view of things, joy is connected to illumination. And how do we come to possess such brightness? James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Joy, as the fruit of the Spirit, is the melody of an illuminated heart, a brilliant gladness in our fundamental makeup. Did you get that? Now, I like that so much I want to say it again. Joy, as the fruit of the Spirit, is the melody of an illuminated heart, a brilliant gladness in our fundamental makeup. The Lord is our light, perpetual, not dimming or ever fading. Psalm 27.1 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Incidentally, the word salvation there is part of the noun for Yeshua, except not as a liberator, but literally as the personification of our liberty, meaning our Savior Jesus is not only the one who sets us free, but He Himself is our liberty. In other words, we can't be free unless we acquire Christ as Savior. We can't work our way to liberty and joy, buy our way to liberty and joy, nor manipulate our way to liberty and joy. Liberty and joy are a person, not a thing. In Esther 8.16, the Lord connects light, gladness, joy, and honor in one sentence, which says to me that with God's gladness and joy also comes light and honor. Even King Solomon came to the conclusion in Ecclesiastes 2.26 that the Lord is the one who gives joy. joy. Not only is Jesus himself our joy, but he also brings about a state of joyfulness in us. With joy comes light, and the root Hebrew word for light, as used in Esther 8.16, is to be illuminated which is made up of three letters, Aleph, Vav, and Resh. Aleph, how you lean in your heart towards God, or intent. Vav, the nail and connection. And Resh is about a man's head and choice. Now check this out. The picture is one of head and heart being connected by our purposeful choice, which to me means choosing Jesus. Oh, man! When that happens, there comes a spontaneous combustion, illumination, 
making us to be bright. Rejoicing is the root word of joy. Now, can you see the relationships the Lord has built into it all and at the center is Himself? Mm Mm-hmm. Those with joy have an illuminated heart. God lighted their center joy. is tied to gladness in Esther 8.16. Although they are similar in many ways, the two are different words. I think it's safe to say there is a shout in joy, rejoicing, and gladness. Psalm 5.11 But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy, because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. Rejoicing in the Lord inspires gladness, which inspires joy. Joy, With continual joy making our foundations to sing. In Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Rejoicing is the object which causes joy in Psalm 48.2, like gladness is the substance which motivates joy in Psalm 45.7. I say that where there is rejoicing, joy, and gladness, there also comes a melody rising from your heart. Joy is gladness with a shout in the middle. The name of the Lord is revealed in God-caused gladness, and comes with grace and kindness in its wake. A thankful heart is a glad and kind heart, reflecting as a perfect mirror God's fruit of the Spirit, joy, as an overall disposition in association with our heart. Psalm 19.8 The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I love that phrase, enlightening the eyes. Eyes wide open in amazement to see the Lord in the world around us. Like the Lord waking us up into awareness, giving us brightness of the eyes. The fruits of the Spirit aren't attributes we go and get somewhere. They aren't book learned, one as a prize, or some sort of mental ascension. They are all works of the Lord attributes of himself that he shares with us. Without the Lord, our spirit is in submission to our mind. 
with the Lord, the soul and spirit are connected, and the soul comes into right relationship with our spirit, submitting to the authority who is living in our heart. All that to say, when our Savior is on the throne of our heart, what is in our heart makes us more than a conqueror by the blood of Jesus, like the persistence of leaven and dough. As a result, His qualities of righteousness become qualities of ourselves to shine in the dark world around us, offering salvation to those who are chained in darkness, imprisoned in chaos. Isaiah 49.9 That you may say to the prisoners, Go forth. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. Thankfulness is key to gladness and joy. After all, a morbidly thankful heart is not one of joy. It is impossible to have joy in our lives when we are morbidly thankful. You know what I mean when I say morbidly thankful? It is a picture of a little kid who has to go wash his hands and he begrudgingly walks slowly to the bathroom, dragging his feet all the way, not realizing the blessing of having hot and cold running water or even a bathroom to wash up in. Now, can't you just see that? A snarl on his lips when his mother says to go wash his hands right now. And he's got a heart full of don't want to. With a downcast demeanor, he obeys anyway, but he just oozes with the attitude that if I didn't have to absolutely wash my hands, I probably wouldn't. The boy may say he's thankful to even have a bathroom, but he's so occupied with how much he doesn't want to wash his hands, he misses the good things in his life. That is morbidly thankful. There is no joy in that heart posture. Now, I'm not saying that when our lives have unfortunate circumstances in them, that we must dance and sing and pretend to be glad when all along we've got some dread going on. Friends, please be honest about your life and simply call things what they are. Nobody gladly enrolls in the school of affliction, but there is gladness and rejoicing in our hearts, not because we're going through a hard time, but because the Lord is with us. He won't allow us to suffer more than we can bear, that His yoke is light, and that we will come out bigger and better than ever walking through a storm with Jesus. Joy.
The Lord and His salvation are cited more than any other reason for joy and gladness. I believe the Lord our God to be a happy person, consistently filled with joy, gladness, and a constant melody. I think many people aren't full of joy about their salvation, largely because they have a very poor concept of what they are saved from and have a petty view of the heart of the Lord. Oh, sure, they'll say all the right words, but the actions of their lives speak long and loud of an abiding cognitive dissonance, which means there are opposing ideologies consciously at work in them, and they are at war with each other in themselves. On one hand, people say with a smile, God is good, God is love, and oh, how he loves us so. On the other hand, they do things in the dark, not believing God can see or hear them. Friends, hear this. Anyone who has no shame in the light has been handled too much in the dark. Church, we need a better understanding of the heart of the Lord and His details. The Lord Himself is the source and fountain of our joy, joy being the second of three fountains in the heart of the Father. John 15:11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. It is obvious that the disciples would have great joy, but what is not too obvious is that the joy and gladness they would experience was his first and foremost. It was something they would enter into. We step into the melody of God's heart, and his melody becomes our melody. His gladness becomes our gladness. His rejoicing becomes our rejoicing. In Matthew 25, three servants were given money to invest while the master was away, and the ones who did well were invited to enter into the joy of the Lord. At some point, joy is a choice, and maybe it's one of those choices we wholeheartedly make when we've come to the end of ourselves in living a life with no joy, no gladness, and we can't stand it anymore. Maybe it's only then that we actually chase after Jesus to change our hearts. Joyce Meyer says we can either be pitiful or powerful, but we can't be pitifully powerful. As with joy, there is a choice in that. In the Matthew 25 account of the Lord and three servants, the third servant stated that the master was, my paraphrase, unkind, heavy-handed, cruel, and unfair, which were all gross misperceptions. God is not a brutal taskmaster who expects us to gain a profit where he has given us no supply or resources. He deals with us in grace and gives us the means to do that which he expects and requires. Where his appointment is, therein is his provision, and his joy and rejoicing is hidden in both the appointment and the provision. The idea of his provision is for us to advance the kingdom of God, not advance ourselves. What's more, we can only accomplish what he asks of us by his grace. 
The entire salvation systemology is lubricated with love and grace. I believe the Lord our God is a blissfully happy person, kind, long-suffering, always at perfect peace, and has done everything possible for us that we would enter into His joy. The reward of the servants of Matthew 25 was to enter into the joy of the Lord. And I believe the last servant represented someone who was beggarly in heart and had no grasp whatsoever of God's joy at all. I wonder how many of us have the same distorted view of God as the last servant in the parable did, harsh and unkind, hard to get along with, and nothing could be further from the truth. Joy doesn't come to us because we got it right or we are so obedient we deserve God's glad melody of rejoicing. Joy, like righteousness, occurs by abiding in the vine, not working for the vine, trusting the vine to work and flow through us. Joy, the melody of an illuminated heart, is from being in Christ and living by faith in His power, grace, and wisdom. Joy is always running out and returning to us, always dancing and singing with grace, close relatives with honor and blessing. As fear does not discriminate and affects everyone in the battle around us, so joy is equally contagious and has an outrageous knack of overcoming fear if for no other reason than sheer attrition. The persistent singing and gladness of God's heart simply wears fear down, not because it is so powerful necessarily, but because joy is better than fear, grinding fear to dust through the sustained pressure of rejoicing. <laughs> That's wonderful. Gladness and joy, apart from God, eventually fades back to grief which is the default setting of the world. Proverbs 14, 12-13 There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Laughter can conceal a heavy heart, but when the laughter ends, the grief remains. Laughter and pleasure often hide grief and sorrow. On a side note, rarely in the Bible, cover to cover, 
Is God's laughter used in the sense of being mirthful or rejoicing? Almost every time it is used in the sense of being associated with derision, scorn, or scoffing. I suppose the Hebrews just didn't see laughter as something done when we are happy which was called joy, mirth, gladness, and rejoicing. Now, think about this. If you were brutally honest, what is the foundation of things which make you laugh most of the time? Remember, I didn't say laughing was bad. I'm only asking us to consider what is underneath it. I think most of the things we laugh about are usually at someone else's expense, one way or another. In Genesis 17, when Abraham laughed, it is a word which leans toward scoffing or making sport of. In Genesis 18, Sarah laughed. The angel said, Why do you laugh? And she said, Did not. And the angel said, Did too. The implication of her laughter was like a scoffing snicker, not one of joyful rejoicing. The angel's reply basically said, This is serious business. Don't make sport of the word of the Lord. The root word of joy means to be bright and cheerful, which lifts us above the gravity barrier of worldly preoccupation. It is a man's strength and upholds him when we wait upon the Lord. What I find most astounding is the visual I get when I read Isaiah 51:11. It says, So the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and a shout of gladness with everlasting joy and the revealed glory and grace of God is on their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. There is a shout in gladness, not just being happy, because happy is very subjective, but more exhilarating brightness and the dancing fire of rejoicing. Joy, as a fruit of the Spirit, is the melody of an illuminated heart, a brilliant gladness in our fundamental makeup. The total opposite of hard-breathing conflict, sighing grief, struggle, and trouble. Wow! Now that is a vision to never lose sight of. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content to simply say it in droll, plodding prose. We sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus, Romans 5.11. And even though we've never seen Him, yet we love Him, trusting in Him, rejoicing with gladness unspeakable, with joy inexpressible, full of glory. 1 Peter 1.8 Think about it. And Amen.
With wind and fire, we have joy and gladness in the Holy Spirit, who comes to us with a melody in His glad heart, making us passionate to rejoice, regardless of our circumstances, even when the sky is dark. Those in the fellowship of the saints have a naturally occurring brightness and singing, which always finds a way to rise in their heart. Our illumination is the Lord, who is our perpetual light, who is at no time dimming, never fading. He is a blissfully joyful person, kind, long-suffering, always at perfect peace, and has done everything possible for us that we would enter into His joy. The name of the Lord is revealed in God-caused gladness and comes with grace and kindness in its wake. A thankful heart is a glad and kind heart, reflecting the Lord like a perfect mirror. God's fruit of the Spirit, joy, is an overall disposition, how we lean in our heart towards the Lord. I'm Social Porter, and this has been Outposts, a semi-live broadcast near the banks of the Ocklawaha River, where the trees gently lean over at the river's edge and every evening is blissfully pleasant. Our hope is not to be just inspirational in topic, but to inspire a deeper conversation amongst ourselves concerning God's details and the landscape of heaven. If we are in a relationship with the Lord, we need to know His details better than we know our own. This evening was brought to you by Living in His Name Ministries, the Mebbin Freedom League with Perry, Tommy, and Kevin, the Saluda Rotary Club, Anilo Phillips out on the end of Long Branch, Charles and Melissa Fox, my beloved brother Mark Fox, and Area 22 Guitars in the thriving metropolis of Brevard. Man, that guy knows his stuff. Another amazing blessing in our lives is Trinity Baker's, the bright spot on Main Street where there's always something good in the oven. Music was by Lyle Mays, Haddock Trio, Benny Golson, Joe Sample, John Schofield, Nicholas Genest, and Plas Johnson. All music use is licensed by BMI. It is closing time, so I've got to say some closing sort of things. After much consideration, the fruit of the Spirit, joy, is a fire of gladness in our hearts which has Hashem, the name in the middle, making us a mirror of His kindness. Our God and King eternally has rejoicing in His great heart. He is happy and loves to sing goodness over His people. Joy is a choice we can either step into or allow ourselves to be dragged back to earth with our worldly preoccupations. It is the blessing of the Almighty rather than the direct object of our pursuit. It is the theme and refrain of a brilliant benevolence bearing the blessing of an honorable and singing heart in Jesus' name. Drive carefully this week. Enjoy the life God has given you. Take your time and consider carefully when you pray for your neighbor. Read your Bible and be strong and courageous. Amen and amen.
Thank you. 